0: But today we're closing out what we've called uh, the weekend and uh, just an opportunity where we say, hey, before we go into the school you are going to take an entire weekend and just focus on serving God and hearing from God. And so this message this morning is a standalone message. We just finished up a series on Jonah last week. But this message is is really talking about a weekend like this. Uh, today I, w- I want to talk about priorities. Just one word. I want to talk about priorities. And, and where are our priorities going into this school year? This is a great reset weekend. That's why it's very intentional on the calendar when we put this because there's something about saying, hold on, hold on, I'm going to go into a reset. Because some of y'all, you fell off the wagon hard this summer. Okay. You've been snacking every night. Uh, You're you're not in your same routines. You've been on some vacations. uh, And and that's amazing. I I love it. Come on, we need to travel. We need to rest. But you've fallen off some rhythms. And maybe even it's gone as far as there's been some priorities that have been missed. Um, uh, Pastor Brandon Cormier was our our Guest speaker on Friday night, and this guy, he is um, he's like a chiseled Greek god. I'm just gonna tell you, I mean, this guy, uh, t- his body is a temple, he takes care of it, and he works out four to five times a week doing CrossFit. Okay, and uh, if you've ever, how many of you guys done a CrossFit workout before? This is a part of your life, very few of you. Um, that's because it's no fun at all, like this, it's no fun. Not at all. And so I had this idea of we're going to host Pastor Brandon well. We're going to take care of him. He likes to work out. When he's traveling, he wants to keep his rhythm. So I I, I reached out to a friend of mine that uh, was an old student of mine. And he's a trainer now in downtown Minneapolis. And it was right by the hotel where his gym is. And I'm like, hey, can we do... A workout, can you plan a CrossFit workout? And I was like, well, if I'm the host, like, I should probably go. Like, I should do this. And so yesterday morning, I left my house at 545 in the morning to go do a CrossFit workout. And I realized just how far off the wagon I am when it comes to physical fitness. Okay? The, the, the workout he had planned has you working out. You don't stop doing things for 40 minutes for 40 minutes. I mean, I saw tunnel vision like you know, you know in like Looney Tunes how the screen sh- drops into a circle. I was seeing that for about 30 of the 40 minutes. I mean, I I was dizzy, I'm delusional, I'm sore. And and I mean it was agony. It was pure agony. And 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 then after that, um, I, I come I come to serve day, and that's when I ran into the wet mulch. So that's why I'm complaining about that. I'm like, no, God, I got nothing left. Like, oh man, scrape the bottom of the barrel. And uh, so if you're wondering if I look like I'm walking weird, it's because I'm in a lot of pain, you guys. I'm I'm really I'm really in a lot of pain. But it was awesome, uh, seeing that. It, it, but it challenged me. I just I realized I'm like, hey, I. I have no excuse getting back into the rhythm, right? I drop my kids off at a school that's five minutes from a gym we have a membership to, right? How many know there's no excuse to go right to that gym three times this week and find out those priorities going into the year? But I think one of the realities is we have to understand that the God that we serve, he actually really values order. So he's ordered creation, there's seasons, there's days, there's hours, there's minutes. He, there's an order to his creation, and there's supposed to be order to our life. One of the biggest ways we can tell, am I in a healthy season or an unhealthy season, is is there a sense of order? Is there any sense of order at all? in, in Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to a church like ours in Corinthians, he put it this way. He said, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. One of the versions says, of order as in all the meetings of God's holy people He was speaking about church services and how you need to bring order. We can't have a chaotic service where anybody can just take over the mic and say whatever they want, whenever they want. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be a pastor. There needs to be elders. There needs to be a team. There needs to be people that are running. He's talking about services. But how many of you know this is a truth that we find all the way throughout Scripture? Because beyond the gathering of the saints, this is a valuable thing to understand about the God that we serve, that he is God of order. And so when our life is in disorder and in disarray, we're not reflecting him in those areas. So I think it might be an interesting thought, what is the part of my life that's the most disordered? Are, what have I prioritized the least? Where is it the messiest? It might even liter, it might be like a literal mess. Like, what's the messiest part of your life? It might be a room in the house, right? And you're like, there's no order there, Pastor Sam. Okay, God is not present in our closets. <laughs> he is not the God of my closet. He is the God of the rest of me, right? And, and we, we, we have parts of our life that begin to get disorderly. And even early on, when, he, when God was establishing the relationship he wanted to try to build with his people. And he was trying to, after the fall, establish God's his chosen people. Following up on the promises of Abraham, he actually gave to Moses some some laws. He gave to Moses some order that the people were supposed to operate under. And in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine, the author Moses said this: listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. One of the things that's is important. Uh, In the order of things, the priorities of things is that we serve a God. We serve one God. We serve the God. And, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. By the way, heart here. Don't read it as an American who's watched too much Disney. Okay, we're, we're going to try to read this the, in the Hebrew. And to the Jews, they saw heart. They didn't. They actually connected it as well to intellect. It, it was not just the emotional part of them. It was also the intellectual. Sometimes we devalue heart and we make it all about like fleeting feelings. But they saw heart different. Um, and all of your soul and all of your strength strength they would use these different um, analogies to say hey I'm going to use body parts to show like hey that strength would also uh, accompany what the work that you do the things that I do that the, I, I need to be strong in my work I need to bring God into that my soul is the eternal part of me that, that needs to connect with him and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today repeat them again and again to your children one of our big takeaways from the Book of Jonah God tends to repeat things because we need to repeat things. Repeat them again and again. And I love this, to your children. They they, they were not a one-generation people. They were were a multi-generational people that wanted to continue, so they were going to pass it on. Repeat it. Repeat it again and again. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And here the author is just giving all of these examples of, hey, what I'm saying here really, really matters. And the first and the top priority is loving God. And if you don't commit this stuff to your life and your heart and you don't make it a priority, you're going to miss it. Like it needs to be top. It needs to be the most important part of your life. And, uh, and, and so we're reading this, and, and I love how practical it gets, even in the Old Testament. And, and here we can even connect with this, but how many of you know this didn't stay in the Old Testament? In fact, this idea of loving God is is, is is consistent throughout the entire canon of Scripture. And in the New Testament, Jesus gets really, 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 really clear about how this pertains to now. And an expert in religious law in Matthew chapter 22 tried to trap Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? He was referring to Deuteronomy. He was referring to these laws. Which one is the most important commandment? Because at this time, they're, they're thinking, oh, we're going to trap him. Because how could you even begin to prioritize the different laws? They're all, they want to say, hey, they're all the most important. And Jesus confidently replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or your might, your strength. And he said, and then he adds on to it. So he goes, that's the most important. Plain and simple. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a prioritization moment. Love God first. That's it. Love him first. And then the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as your love your neighbor as your. And here he's he's not just, so at first he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then here he's directly quoting Leviticus 19.18. He's not even adding anything. He's pulling from scripture. He's saying, hey, I'm going to quote scripture, and I'm going to give you everything, the entire law, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And that's actually really, we always talk about the law but they also really valued the words of the prophets. And so here he's saying, hey, actually, the law and the prophets, all of it, everything you've been building your life on. And you have to understand something, too. We love to devalue the Old Testament. Did you know that Jesus did not devalue the Old Testament? He quoted it all the time. He built his life on it. And it's it's so valuable. It's so important because Jesus understood the Old Testament was building up to him. He says, all of it can be summed up. They're going to be based on these two commandments. Everything has to be built from these things. So if you think about what are the, supposed to be the priorities of my life, you cannot prioritize your life correctly as a Christian without Matthew chapter 22. You're doing it wrong if you don't start there. And if we don't take Deuteronomy chapter 6, if we don't read Leviticus 19. Well, that, this is where it starts. This is a message and a command of prioritization. And and the reality is that I, I believe this, that if your priorities get out of whack, we actually get to a place we miss the kingdom of God. We miss what he's doing on the earth. We get out of alignment with what he's trying to do. I don't just want to, like, pretend at some Christian life. I actually want to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. I want to see Jesus move in power. I want to see people saved. I want to activate faith. I want miracles. I want things to happen, and I want to be a part of that story. I want to be used. And so for me, my priorities are going to be a big part of that. Where do I put my time? Where do I put my effort? Where does it go? Who has my heart? Who really has my heart? And so many of us, at times, we let our lives get out of order. And that valuing this loving of God with our whole self seems impossible. Why is the illustration, both Jesus and Moses, they talk about using these different parts of the body. And sometimes we get super literal and go, this means this. And that. what they're describing is your whole self. What do you need to get away from that? The, the, don't, don't talk about the arm. And the, right. We do that with the armor of God too. We act like that's the only way. Do you know Paul actually writes about armor of God two different times and he doesn't use the exact same list? It's not the list that's important. It's the, it's the visual that they're trying to paint. It's an illustration, right? And so loving God with our whole self, every part of us, that's what the, the heart of this is supposed to be. At the, at the core of this message is, do you love God with all of you, with every part of your life? with every part, with the work that you do? Do you love God with the way you raise your family? Are you loving God first? Does he have the first of your finances? Does he have the first of your time? Is he first? That's the question. And that's the question we're supposed to ask every single day. Every single day, is he first? Does he get my best or does he get my scraps? This is important. And this command, loving God, is so valuable. And you're like, oh, Pastor, I've heard, I've heard this before. I really feel like as we're going to dive into even more the meat of what I feel like God's trying to say to us today, uh, can we just acknowledge that we kind of need to keep hearing it? Like, can we just all admit, like, I need this reminder, like, a lot. Like, I really, really need help with this because this is hard. Because we're busy. And things are going on. And loving God and doing that first is actually really, really challenging. And I think it's important. sometimes we've just kind of created this catchphrase of love God and love people, and we've said it so much that we almost think that it's like the message I did on grace and truth, 100% of both. It's not. Jesus put these in order. It's not love God and love people simultaneously. It's love God first. It's love God first. You, You can't even start to consider loving someone else until you fully understand how to love God. And just so you know, loving God is being loved by him. It's saying, hey, I'm actually going to allow you to love me and I'm going to love you back. It is a two-way street. He is not just begging for us to do some works-based relationship. He goes, hey, actually loving me is going to include being loved by me. I guarantee I can love you better than anyone has ever loved you on earth. I promise you that the lack of love that you're feeling right now in this season, I've got that covered if you would just let me in. Loving me looks like letting me love you. Let me in. Let me love you. Let me care for you. Let me help you. If you'd put me first, I'd give you wisdom before you made a mess out of everything. Like, just let me, just talk to me first. Talk to me first. Have you ever had that moment? Maybe you've mentored somebody or parented somebody or you led somebody, and you're like, oh, if you only would have called me. I knew the answer there. I could have helped you with that. I could have saved you some hardship. I could have saved you some some pain or some frustration. If you would have just asked me, this, this whole thing could have been avoided. You, you, you should have let me know. You should have let me know. And so often we miss that. And God's saying, Hey, actually, uh, to, to be to love me is to be loved by me as well, and don't don't miss that. But here's the tension: is that what we try to do so often in in, in a, especially in American Christian life is there's this word that we love to throw around we love to talk about balance you know have you ever talked about balance like oh i'm just trying to find my balance i'm trying to balance life i'm trying to i actually don't find anywhere in scripture that really like breaks down a balanced life like you can balance your diet but that's different than balancing your entire life because balancing has to do with uh, I'm trying to okay I can balance with a certain amount of things that I'm carrying but how many of you know if just one extra thing gets added all of a sudden you're out of balance and so for me I, I don't actually aim at balance Renee and I, we, we, don't, we, we figured out, hey, if you looked at our life this week, we would have looked out of balance this week. We were very committed to the church this week. I stopped counting my hours because I was getting depressed. You know what I mean? Like it's like, no, this week there was a lot. Like it doesn't, a whole new set design doesn't just happen, right? Like, like there's a lot of work, like hard work. But we knew that this week the right decision was to help build God's house this week. And now next week it's going to look out of balance because next week we're going to be with our family a little bit more. We're going to take our kids to the state fair. We're going to do, and so it's going to be like, man, you're really investing in your family this week. What, what is that? that? That's more the rhythm. And I want to illustrate this for a moment. I want to illustrate what rhythms look like. So I got some supplies that I think are coming up and I got some helpers. I got some helpers here. And the, the reality is I really believe this church, we're not supposed to search for balance. We're supposed to search for the rhythms. And now maybe you're like me and you're like, oh, Pastor Sam, Rhythm, like, that's hard for me. Come on, I am a white boy, okay? I do not have any natural rhythm, okay? I I actually remember vividly a, a church picnic at like some pavilion when I was probably seven or eight, and I remember everybody starts clapping on beat, and I remember like seven or eight going, I can't find the beat, (laughs) I don't know where it is. Where's the rhythm? I don't know how to find rhythm, right? Like one time I got asked to do like this church parody video when I was an intern and they're like, hey, can you be the drummer and wear this wig and pretend to be an 80s rocker, come on. In the early thousands, we were really into parody. I don't know why, it's a really weird trend. But they're like, just kind of pretend to drum. I got kicked out of the role because I couldn't even pretend to drum for a video. There was no audio. They're like, "You don't even look like you're drumming. Like, what are you doing? Like, so rhythm. Like, it's not just it's not just a beat, but it's it's going. Hey, what am I valuing when? And I and I heard this illustration once that life is a lot like juggling. If if every part of your life is a different juggling ball, if you hold on to one juggling ball for too long, all the others fall. So so I'm gonna. Spend more time on on this juggling ball of the church this week. And now next week, we're going to hold the juggling ball of our kids a little bit tighter. And we're going to spend time holding that. So so we're going to illustrate this for a second. But I want to say this. Before we even get started, the cinder block is going to help. And here's why. So here's the juggling balls. And and I've I've got three because that's all CJ said he could handle. That's okay. Um, I'm just kidding. So so the problem is, so let's say what, what we want to do is we want God to be one of the juggling balls. And so we go... Family, job, let's just do three, God, right? Family, job, God. So if we're doing our life well, we're juggling. So let's say that's the illustration. Juggle right over here for us. So, so green is family. Red, that's your job. Blue, come on. Blue, that's, uh, that, that's God right now in this illustration, right? And you're going, hey, this is great, but now think about this. What that means is that when you're holding your family, you're not holding God. What that means is when you're holding your job, you're not holding God. God's not a part of that. You, you've, you've separated it. You've isolated two things that are supposed to be the same. And so God actually made it clear. He goes, hey, hey, um, when you try to figure out your life and you try to figure out your priorities, I actually want to be the foundation. I'm a firm foundation. There's so many pastors that talk about that. So actually what he says is, this is my, my job, uh, my finances, and my family. Let's say that. Those are three things we always are trying to figure out how to juggle. What gets my time? What? Is. So I actually, I want to be the foundation. This Is now God. So stand on that. I wanna be the firm foundation. Now, as you stand on loving me first, now. You can take all of the other things that I give you in your life, all the other responsibilities and you're juggling them. And while you're connected to God, you're holding on to your job for a little bit and you're working. Because guess what? This is a week honey. I'm so sorry. But I just got to focus a little more at work. I know it's going to be hard but this is important. Oh, this week guess what? It's going to be back to school. The kids need our attention. Let's make sure we talk to them about how to do this. Okay, this week I got to focus more. Our finances are out of alignment. We overspent. But guess what? I'm doing all of those decisions. I'm prioritizing my life on the foundation of serving God on the foundation of loving God. So now He's a part of everything else that we're trying to find. And look at the rhythm. Boom, 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 boom. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm. It's not a balancing act. It's not a balancing act. It's finding the rhythm of life. Who needs my time today? What needs my time? I'm gonna bring God into that situation. Give it up for CJ. Come on, CJ. Wow. So we look at this. Don't search for balance, search for rhythm, but don't even begin to try to find the rhythm if you don't first love God. If you don't first love God, it's gotta be, it's gotta start there. It's gotta be the first priority. It's gotta be the thing. I, I love the, the message paraphrase that Eugene Peterson wrote, where he actually says, well, he quotes Jesus a little unique, but he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, there's a rhythm to my life with you. I wanna walk you through it and I'm never gonna give you more than you can carry. I'm never gonna give you more than you can handle. So you wanna know what that means? If you're struggling to carry everything in your life, maybe it's because you made God one of the juggling balls and you didn't make him the foundation. And so you're trying to fix everything. Yeah, I'm just not meant to carry it. Is that the right question? Or if you just not, you're not trying to carry it from the right place and the right foundation. You see what I'm saying? You reshape the question, ask it a little bit differently we got to find the rhythms. And then Jesus goes on to say, as you prioritize your life, in one case, I want you you to love God first. I want you to have this foundation. But then, as you build out those other parts of your life, your family, your finances, your work, the things you put your hands to, your home, your house, all of this, it's really important for me that you love your neighbor as yourself. Does it say instead of you? Does it say uh, in replacement of you, loving yourself? Does Jesus say it's evil to take care of yourself? Does Jesus say it's evil to buy that new house? Does Jesus say it's evil to get that promotion? Does he say it's evil to move? No, no, he doesn't. He just says, while you stand on the firm foundation of loving God, I also want you to love everyone at the level with which you love yourself. So, so I don't want it to get disproportionate. I don't want you to be a person who's overly sacrificial and be slowly becoming bitter and jaded and angry at the, the world around them. Because you don't take care of yourself. Right now we're in this like self-care, self-love movement. And I'm so sorry, but we've overswung the pendulum. Because now self has become of far, far greater value than our neighbor. But Jesus says, hey, I actually want you to eat, I want you to put both at the same level. So, so if at any point you're obsessively caring for yourself and you're not being generous, you're out of alignment with me. Or if at any point you're obsessively serving and you're burning out and you're burning the candle at both ends and you can't get a break and you're exhausted, that's also, guess what? So sorry, overserving is sin. It's sin. It's evil. Over-serving, all of a sudden, guess what? Then we become Martha. We become Martha. How many of you know the story of Mary and Martha? Two sisters, one story. And, and this moment, it's this, one, this is the most challenging story for me. I don't like this one. I actually, I, I can't read it. Want to know why? I didn't put it in my notes because I didn't want to talk about it. But now I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to talk about it. So it's not up on the screens. I don't like this story. Want to know why? Because I'm always Martha. I love hard work. I'm more comfortable working than any other place on the planet. It is my sweet spot. I'm just going to be honest with you. So I tend to edge towards hard work. And so I'm like, Martha, she's doing everything right. I still read the verse, and I know the story. And I go, no, because she's in the kitchen. She's serving. She's preparing the food. She's getting ready to bless Jesus. She has, Her heart is to serve. But Jesus understands the pace. He understands the pace and the prioritization. They were building a ministry. Mary and Martha were a big part of his ministry. And, and, and they would have been grinding. Jesus ran his team hard. They pushed. They would often want to rest, but people would chase them down and needed to be ministered to. They were hard workers. And this is a moment where Jesus is trying to rally with the people close to him that he loves. And Martha just can't stop working. The work is not evil. She just can't stop. And Jesus is like, I'm trying to talk to you. Can you just put the pots down? Like, calm down. It's fine. We'll clean later. Let's have a moment. I'm trying to build a rhythm into this. And if we don't have the rhythm of stopping and spending time together and listening to me teach and talk and love you and care for you, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. So Mary was the one sitting there just listening, just being a part of the room. And Jesus created an illustration between the one going over serving and the one being there in the moment and says, hey, don't miss this. Be in the moment. Over serving can actually become sin for you. And that might be hard to hear. It's hard for me to hear. I don't like that. I just just want to keep serving. I wish it was as easy as if I would just serve. And yet God goes, no, I actually want there to be a prioritization. Here's the reality, church. Your priorities are often determined by your pace. And that's why Jesus valued Martha slowing down. He goes, you cannot prioritize me if you don't stop. Just chill. Breathe. Slow down. Calm yourself. So I need, I need you to come into this moment. I need you to be with me in this moment. You see, the, the tension we're always in is there are people who are on what we would call, like let's just call it the the, the lazy scale, right? There's some of us that we, we edge towards lazy. We edge towards sloth. We edge towards just being slow. And then there's some of us that are too hard, too hard of workers. We're on the other side of the scale but the problem is there's this tension there's these two extremes that are so common right now we've got the won't start group and we've got the won't stop group so you got people who just won't start covid made us we just we, we 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 really built a habit do you remember at first everyone was complaining about having to stay home and now everyone's complaining if they have to go out right because humans are creatures of habit we built new habits something shifted right something changed and so now there's, there's this real tension of, yes, there's the people who won't stop and they're pushing towards burnout, but there's also the won't-start people. Where, when it comes to loving your neighbor as yourself, you're, you won't even get started. You won't even get moving in that direction, putting them first. got to get started. we got to get moving. we got to realize, hey, our pace is going to affect our priorities. So some of you, you need to pick at the pace. You need to do more. Some of you, you need to slow down a little bit. You need to just listen. And you need to learn to love yourself a little bit better. We, we, we got the won't start and we got the won't stop people. But we are often creatures of the extremes and the band can come on up. We often make our pace a part of our identity. Like Like I am this. I am my pace. I am my work. I am what I am doing. So we want to to love God and love people, but first we need to... I want to love God and love people, but first I got to take care of myself. And Once I feel healthy enough, then I'll do... Okay, I want to love God and love people, but first um, I got to keep working. I've got to keep moving. i got to keep doing the things that I'm supposed to do. You see, the Bible actually says in Matthew 6, 33, we're supposed to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness... Seek first the kingdom. Seek first loving God and his righteousness. Like this is the part that we do. What is his righteousness? The way that he served and loved other people. So we're supposed to seek first his kingdom, love God. And then his righteousness, the loving people, loving the, our neighbors as ourselves. And then all these things, all the things of life that you're dreaming, all the things that you're stressed about, all the things, that getting all your time and attention, then they're going to be added to you. So seek first like self-love and then Seek first that promotion and then seek first, oh, just got to rest. And then seek first what? Seek first loving God and then loving your neighbor as yourself and then all these things. There's an order. Do you see the order? If we would prioritize, seek first loving God and being loved by him, then seek To love your neighbor and love yourself. You're a part of that. Loving your neighbor as yourself includes you. So I'm not going to take care of everybody else to my detriment, but I'm also not going to take care of myself and nobody else. It's a both and, not an either or. So loving God is loving him and being loved by him. Loving your neighbor as yourself is loving them and loving you. And then... As you discover the unforced rhythms of grace, all these other things are going to begin to be added unto you. All those things you're stressed about, all of those decisions that you're so afraid to make, all of the steps and the directions you're afraid to head, all of these other layers that you're waiting on, he'll take care of them. The issue is the priorities. So as we go into this school year, like, God gave me this word. The artisan church is supposed to even pace with our city with Blaine. I really felt that. Our, our city's exploding and new businesses and companies and restaurants are opening up and there's this growth. And I feel like we're supposed to pace with our city. And so I, then I came back and I said, God, how? How do we do that? And he goes, well, first got to love me and you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you get that right, all these things will be added unto you. So what does it look like to pace with our city? It looks like learning the unforced rhythms of grace, of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves, And we could get this right if each one of us could begin to build our life that way. Church, the people that are going to be reached and saved and loved and cared for and set free, a whole city could be changed. And we know this. We know this. But yet so often we miss living it. It's one thing to know what you ought to do. It's a whole other thing to actually do it. What if we did it this school year? What if God got our time first? First of our day. What if loving God became such a priority? To be loved by him and to love him back. All of a sudden, when we, when we understand loving God, all the other things he asks, they don't feel like such obligations. They feel like blessings. See, the problem is, is people who are outside of the kingdom of God, they see the way we choose to build our life, and they see it as restrictions and boundaries and limits. I see it as a blessing. Because God goes, hey, once you understand how to love me and be loved by me, I'm going to begin to, transform you by the renewal of your mind. You're not going to want those things anymore. And you're going to see that I'm protecting you and I'm helping you and I'm bringing the best out in you, and that I have the best for you. And that actually the best life you could ever live, the absolute best life possible for you to live on this side of eternity is by following me. The most fun, the most passionate, the most the most intimate, the most life-giving, the most beautiful life possible is by actually truly building everything on really loving me first. Being loved by me. And watch as all of these things are getting added unto you. Some of what gets added unto us is hard work. Is some discipline. Is these things. But all of a sudden you go, you know what, this is a blessing. It's a blessing to build my life this way. We've got to get our prioritizations right. we got to love God. How many of you guys realize you cannot love someone without prioritizing them? So... There's three categories we're talking about today. We're talking about loving God. We're talking about loving you, yourself. And we're talking about loving your neighbor. You can't love any of those three without prioritizing them. You can't. So there, there, there's the passionate plea of a preacher trying to motivate us in some way, shape, or form to make a shift. But then there's the really practical sense of like, okay, if, if, if I'm not prioritizing God, what do I need to change? If I'm not prioritizing myself, what do I need to change? If I'm not prioritizing my neighbor, what do I need to change? How do I get this rhythm? How much attention does each thing need? How do I focus on it? And see, the beautiful thing about loving God is that all of a sudden you stop compartmentalizing him to just 10 minutes in the morning. And you start to actually integrate him. God wants to be integrated into every aspect of your life. That's why he's the foundation that we build it all from. So when I'm working, I'm loving God and When I'm serving, I'm loving God. When I'm attending church, I'm loving God. When I'm eating dinner with my family, I'm loving God. When I'm I'm spending time on the golf course because that's what I needed that week, I'm actually loving God and he can meet me there. When I'm doing my life and I'm finding the rhythms of my life, I'm loving God in those. And then out of that outpouring, I'm hearing from his wisdom of like, hey, I'm not okay. I need to do something for me right now. Oh, actually, my wife's not okay. I need to do something for her right now. Oh, actually, my kids aren't okay. I need to do something for them. And we cannot... Carry all the balls at once. They are designed to keep moving. How many of you know that? This, 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 the kids feel this so much? If you're sending kids off to school, we're sending Charlotte off to school for the first time in a week, you, you can only hold on to them a little bit. you got to release them. Hold them, release them. It's hard. It's not easy. Like This is tough, but everything in life, it's a, it's a holding and it's a releasing. It's a holding and a releasing. It's a holding and it's a releasing. It's a holding and a releasing. And, and it, we can release with confidence if we hold the thing just right. If we hold it just long enough and just right, well, how do I know what's long enough? Well, you're only going to know if you're standing on God and you're loving him and letting him speak to you. None of it is possible unless you stand on the firm foundation that is Christ. You cannot love someone without prioritizing them.